to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fullick. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, disaster planning, uh, emergency management, cybersecurity, uh, resiliency, anything that's relatable uh, to those subjects in that industry. I'd like to remind uh, everyone that if there is a topic you'd like us to talk about on the show, or you'd like to be a guest, or have someone else come on the show, Please feel free. Go to the Voice America page for the show. There is a button that says send the host an email or something along those words. And uh, I do get all emails and I do respond to everything. And we'll see about uh, finding someone uh, or yourself to come on and talk about the subject. Same thing for any sponsorships or advertisements. Contact me the same way and I can get you some information on that. uh, So you can advertise on the show and we can talk about what you do. And... I'd like to remind everyone that I will be at the Continuity Insights Conference in San Antonio, Texas, April 20th to 22nd. I'm presenting, I think, on the Wednesday, the 22nd. I'm speaking uh, there, so hopefully uh, run into many of you there and we can have a chat. You'll probably see me. I've usually got a handheld recorder in, in my hand at most conferences. And today's show is brought to us by the people at Stone Road with their product at boastassessment.com, where you can self-manage your uh, program status, you know, where you need to focus your resources and uh, what you need to work on. So check them out at boastassessment.com. Today's topic, uh, we're going to be focusing on uh, developing cyber exercises that help prepare your organization for the impact of a cyber incident. And today's guest, many of you may know, um, she has been on the show, I think this is actually the fourth time, uh, fourth appearance on the show, but only the second full episode. But uh, I'm, I know, like I said, many of you probably know who it is, and I'd like to welcome back to the show once again, Regina Phelps. Regina, welcome back to the show. Alex, thank you so much for this kind introduction, and it's great to be starting off 2020 with you. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> It's, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's glad I, I'm happy to have you have you back on the show. You always bring lots of uh, knowledge and insight every time we chat. So it's a pleasure to have you back, and I'm glad uh, you were able to find time to come and talk with us today. Thank now, you so much. Happy to be here. Believe it or not, there might be one or two listeners out there who may not know, you know, who Regina Phelps is. Uh, Can you take a minute or so and just kind of give us a quick uh, bio as to what you do and how you got into the industry? Sure, happy to do that. So my firm has been in practice since 1982, so this is uh, our 38th year uh, in business. And essentially, if I was to summarize what we do is we help companies prepare for crises and the worst possible day of their company's life. So my firm essentially does crisis management, business continuity, and exercise design for multinational companies. We work in five continents. Uh, One of my key uh, areas of expertise is in designing exercises. I do about 100 large exercises a year. And since the cyber threat has become so prevalent in the last 10 years, we started doing cyber exercises probably seven years ago, starting on impact, really focusing on impact. And since that time, I would say of my 100 or so that I personally design a year, I would say at least 40 of them. This year will probably be 50 or about a cyber-related incident. So whether it's a ransomware attack, a denial of service, or some other form of um, uh, malware affecting a system and essentially really making a, uh, a company really drop to its knees. And unfortunately, in our client population, and these are large multinational corporations, we have seen this repeatedly over the last five years uh, and increasing in severity and really crippling. And so our goal today really is to sort of show how you can design an exercise that is going to really help somebody 
really design something that will make it so powerful that a company will really understand what they need to do to prepare for the impact of a possible cyber event. Well, great. I'm looking forward to talking about that because, uh, you know, everyone's talking about cyber threats and you've already said, you know, 50% of what you're doing is now almost based on the, the cyber threats. But this morning I did come up with a question and I know I quickly touched base before we came on the air. Um, I, I just wanted to ask this question because it popped into my head. Um, a few years ago, we used to call this cyber threat uh, area um, information security or uh, information security protection or data protection, something along those lines. And now we're calling it cyber threats. And I'm just kind of wondering what's changed uh, in the industry to make us you know, change what we're saying you know, ha- you know, mm-hmm. from information security to cyber threats. In your, your opinion. That's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. So, first of all, I'm not a technologist, but I, I hang in that space a lot now because of this work. And what I will say to you is that information security is still the catch-all phrase for the majority of this work. But I think mm. there was an evolution that began maybe five or six years ago where the term cyber is something that kind of everybody uh, seems to understand what that means. It has to do with the Internet. It has to do with things being shared uh, on, on all of these networks that we possess. And so the idea is I started to see in my client population, instead of referring to things as information security, which, you know, could be paper, it could be simply something restricted to your own environment, that the idea of attaching the word cyber, cyber threat, really begins to tell more of a a global picture. So people can then say, gosh, you know, you're really probably talking about somebody who might actually intrude into your network or somebody who might introduce some piece of uh, malware or be doing something destructive to a company. So to me, that's how I've seen this evolve. Information security, I think, is still widely used, but it's really for the technologists. It's really for the technology professionals. Uh, Once you get beyond them, you start talking cyber, everybody knows what you're talking about. Ah, okay. Well, that's a great uh-huh. answer because I, I know some people have mentioned that. Even a couple of people I work with, you know, were kind of, well, what's the difference? So, so I'm right, glad to right, hear your, right. your opinion on that. So no, let's jump welcome. in. Let's jump into yeah. our topic today and the cyber exercises. Now, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of, uh, you know, when we talk about our business continuity plans, there's different ways of doing a component testing, tabletop testing, simulations, et cetera. How on earth do you do a cyber exercise? You know, that is, it is really an important topic. And, and in fact, it was so important to me that I wrote my third book, uh, How to Develop a Cyber Exercise, about this very issue. Because I think, Alex, it's actually fraught with peril. And what do I mean by that? I've seen mm-hmm. people actually do exercises. And because of the serious nature of this event, and because there's a tendency or a possibility where there could be finger pointing, in a company or blame, like how did that information security team not protect us or what was technology thinking, which I've actually mm-hmm. seen happen in an exercise. Oh, and really? so I think, I think the important thing is, is that a cyber exercise needs to be something that is designed with a lot of forethought. Um, and there's a couple of really important things that I think all of your listeners need to immediately do whenever they decide that they're going to want to perform a cyber exercise, which I would highly encourage every one of your listeners to do. And the first two things are super, super important. The first thing is I would say is they really need to obtain senior management support. What do I mean by that? Senior management, of course, your executives, they spend a lot of time and money, right, funding all of these programs in information security. And so there's an expectation, frankly, that they have that, you know, it's going to work, right? There's not going to be an issue. Yeah. And the, the last thing you want to have happen is to introduce something in an exercise, and then the executive thinks like, oh, my gosh, I've spent all this money. This still happened. How could that be? Well, it, it could happen easily, to be honest. And so I mm-hmm. need them to understand it's going to be messy, it's going to be problematic, and you're going to have lots of mistakes, and it's all good. Hmm. So that's the first thing that's super important. Okay. What's the, the second, second thing is you need the second thing is the technology department needs to understand that you personally as the designer of your exercise is not going to throw them under the bus. Why would you say that? Some, <laughs> well, because I think sometimes what happens is that 
when you start digging into really design a cyber exercise, you're going to find a lot of things that aren't fixed, aren't right, aren't done. That's in every technology department in every company everywhere. And so those things are going to likely or potentially come out. And then people would say, well, Alex, you're in charge of that department. How did you not fix that? Or why didn't you fix that? And it could be a zillion reasons, right? It could be funding. It could be equipment. It could be a ton of things. And I want them to understand it's not about casting blame anywhere. It's about us showing what needs to get done, which, frankly, can help a technology department get more support, more funding, and more and more what they need in order to really tighten all those bolts and really cover all those big holes that exist in every technology department of any company of any size. So you're kind of turning it to something positive. If we do this, this is the benefits you guys could get out of it, regardless of the results, right? That kind of a thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, and for them to, and, and you need them to be a willing player in design because I want them to tell me where all of the bodies are buried. I want them to tell me where we have issues of exposure because, frankly, if I can highlight that in an exercise, it's going to help them. It's going to help the company. And in the, and the net net is it's all good. And But I want people to understand I am not doing this to pick on you by you having not completed or cleaned up this particular issue. And so if you start, first of all, with those two premises, that you want to make sure that the, the executives know it's going to be messy and the technology people know that you're not going to throw them under the bus and you're there to help them, that's going to help you in the design. It's going to help you in the exercise. And when you issue your after-action report, it's going to be super helpful because people are going to see all the good things that were exposed and what they can do to be better. Isn't that kind of scary, though, to, to, to know that you could find things that well, I guess you, I, I forget who it was, Rum, Donald Rumsfeld or something. I think it said, you know, you may find known, knowns, unknown, unknowns, and things like that. That, that can be really scary yeah. for anybody involved, couldn't it? It is. It is. And, and I will tell you, that's why I think these two conversations at the beginning of a design are so important. Because people, frankly, are going to be shocked at what, what is discovered. And, I, and again, I would just say I've done now probably 500 of these in the last uh, 10 years. And I will say to you that I'm always like, oh, my God, really? But, yes, either they didn't have funding or it's an old piece of legacy equipment and it's scheduled to be replaced or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And yet everybody knows it. Often everybody knows it. But you know how it is when you know something but you think, oh, yeah, but that's not really going to happen, is it? Yeah. And so then they basically don't don't make those changes or they try and uh, make it last longer or whatever. And so, I, I, again, these two component pieces are super, super important because that will help you get the best results out of your exercise. How do you go about um, getting – I can understand the IT side, working in IT and having worked on the, the BU side of things. How do you get mm-hmm. – executives to really buy into this if they've got because you mentioned the word expectations so they mm-hmm. already have a set level of expectations how do you convince them that you know we may find we will find let's say mm-hmm. you know gaps you know and and sometimes they're the ones who might actually feel as though the fingers being pointed at them how do you go about dealing with them Mm-hmm. That's a really great question. So there's a couple of things. I think what I would say, first of all, to any CEO I've interviewed in the last five years, the number one thing that leaves them sleepless at night is what we're talking about today. They're, they're hugely concerned about a cyber incident, something that's going to significantly impact their organization, and what they're ultimately concerned about is reputation and brand. And so what I try and do is I try to work with them on several levels. First of all, I, as I want to talk with them and I want to find out when I interview them, I want to find out what, what is the thing that you are most concerned about? So because if I understand that, I call it the silly little question. If I deeply understand what's really concerning you about a cyber event, then I'm going to design an exercise that's going to drill a hole right through that because I want to deliver for you exactly what your biggest fear is so that way we can work through it and try and solve it. So that's the first thing I do is I try and get them to understand deeply what they – really are bothered by. And then secondarily, once I know that, I can also then tie that to uh, stories that are well-known within contemporary times, going back to things like the Sony event 
or the NAPETIA that affected, oh my gosh, hundreds of companies, several huge companies. One of our clients almost lost a billion dollars. And that's all public information. So there's a lot of things that I can tie that back to to say, look, these companies in NAPETIA, they were well prepared. They're huge. FedEx, Maersk, uh, Merck, I mean, tons of them. And yet they had this incredible debilitating experience. That could happen to you. And actually, one of my favorite quotes about that in particular was something that McAfee said in a report they issued in 2016. And they said this, and this is something I like to say to every executive. We need to accept that we will never eliminate all risk, that nothing is permanently safe. And even if we could, it would be far too expensive. So what that says clearly is, is that the risks are never going to be completely eliminated. And if you could, you would never spend that kind of money because you would do a risk ratio analysis and you would say to yourself, oh, come on, I'm not going to spend, you know, X because the chances are Y. And that's Mm -hmm. what every executive does, frankly, every day, right? Right. Well, it's, it's almost scary, you know, with what you just said here, knowing that you can't reduce you know, or eliminate all the risk, you know, um, right. even though, even though I, I, I've worked in program and project management as well, where that's exactly what they try to do <laughs> and it can't mm-hmm. be done. Right. Of course. Mm-hmm. So you know, to, to get everyone on, on the same page though, that that's gotta be tough for them to all understand that, that, you know, we are going to find gaps. We are going to find errors. Yes. Is yes, the scary part is. the finding of the errors or the scale of the errors, the impact? Um, uh, I think actually it can be both. Um, I think, first of all, there's a first, I think it's almost like a graduated experience. The first conversation I'm going to have with them is, I need your support, and yeah, we're going to find a lot of problems. And I need you as the senior executives to stand up and applaud how great that is, because that's how we're going to fix it. So that's kind of the, like the awareness. And then the second piece is once we get into the design, I can go, I can find lots of issues that we're going to have and we're going to focus on that will really serve the business ultimately, but also expose lots of problems. And then when you actually go through the experience of the exercise, that's when it becomes highly personal. And I let them know that at the very beginning. And one of the things that I I do, Alex, when I design these exercises is I design them in a very experiential way. And and let me just talk for a moment about that because I will tell you, if I can make somebody feel this in in their gut, I can actually change that company's whole strategy about continuity planning and technology-related issues because they're going to walk out of that room with the biggest headache they've ever had in their life, and that's going to make me super happy. Um, And to do that, you essentially need to have two things in your exercise design. You need to have really good design teams, which I'll talk about, and then you also want to make sure you have a fully simulated exercise. So let me just touch on those really quickly. Uh, And when we design exercises like this, I'm an exercise design specialist. I've designed... I think something like 5,000 exercises in my 37 years. I am not, however, a specialist in your company, but I can design exercises till the cows come home. So I need to have the best people that can help me develop the story. So I need a technology design team who helps me design all the technology issues and failures. And then I need a business unit design team that will dance, if you will, with that narrative of issues like, you know, um, Files missing, network goes down, Active Directory disappears, website goes down, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's interesting from a technology perspective, but what's the impact of that? What does the business feel? That tells the story. And so I work with these two design teams to develop the actual exercise. But then the second part. We've we've come to the first segment already, would you believe? Uh, oh, no, really? So we're going to dig deeper into those design teams in, in just a second, but we do have to take a break, unfortunately. We're talking today with Regina Phelps, and we're talking about designing exercises, uh, sorry, cyber exercises, and the impacts that they can have. We'll be right back. Have 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. Today we are talking once again with Regina Phelps, and we're talking about cyber exercises and the impact they can have on cyber incidents can have on your organization. Regina, I know I had to cut you off just because of the break, and you were talking about uh, the design teams. Can you uh, continue on and elaborate on those? Sure, I'd be happy to. So when I am designing an exercise, as I mentioned in the last segment, uh, we start with two design teams, the technology team and the business unit team. Let me talk about the technology team first. In that particular group, what I need is the, and I'll use the term right people from your technology department to help me design something that is specifically spot on. Who would would those people likely be? Well, first of all, they can't be in the exercise, of course, right? So they can't know everything before we do it. I'm looking for somebody that really has a good understanding of the network, of the major applications and databases, also somebody that understands your infrastructure, and there might be other specialized components of your organization that might be important. Generally, that team is about six, seven, eight people, something like that. And sometimes if you have an organization, like we do a lot of work in central banks, and they have some very specific um, uh, applications like SWIFT, for example. In that particular mm-hmm, case, mm-hmm. we would have the SWIFT person participate because it is a complicated uh, and third-party interface uh, application. So they're yes. going to design for us basically the failures, as I call it. So the first meeting I have with them, I kind of look them all deep in the eyes and say, so do you think a cyber incident could happen here? They normally look down at the desk for a while, and then they look up at me and say, yeah, of course. And then I say, great. Okay, good. Well, tell me, how do you think that could happen? And then we brainstorm. Okay, maybe it was a, a phishing attack. Maybe it was a um, piece of malware that came in from a third-party vendor. Maybe it was somebody still using um, thumb drives and introducing a foreign piece of malware or whatever it is. And then essentially the idea is, okay, what would that do? You know, and so if you imagine the case of uh, malware, you know, how long would it be in the system and how would it populate across the network and blah, blah, blah. That's all background information that they'll never know in the exercise. But from the design perspective, we all need to understand kind of those kind of how it happens things. And then we sort of talk about, well, okay, let's say we're doing ransomware. Okay, great. And let's say it's a zero-day form of ransomware. Great. That means it's not detected by your um, security software. Great, that's wonderful. Okay, super. So now it moves around, and then it, 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 they have a detonation switch, and it all deploys. And it starts taking down servers, uh, you know, desktops, brings down your network, blah, 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 blah. Great. Oh, wonderful. Let's time that all out. So we essentially start, and we develop what I call the bones of the exercise. If the exercise runs from 8 to 12, I can say, okay, great. 801, this happened. Files were not available. 805, server number one goes down. That affects these certain applications. You know, blah, 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 blah. The website goes down. A network goes down. Essentially doing that kind of stuff. So I, I work with that team over the span of about three meetings. They're about 90 minutes apiece. And we map out the entire thing. And they actually have a great time doing it, interestingly enough, which I think is so funny. <laughs> then, once they're happy with all the destruction that they have created, then we basically sit down with the business unit and say, okay, we're going to have a cyber exercise. You're sworn to secrecy. You can't tell anybody about it. 
I need you to tell me the impact of your department, your critical business process when these things happen. Oh, my goodness. We brainstorm, we talk, we discuss, and then over the span of about three phone calls, usually what we do is about 90 minutes apiece, we design what are called the exercise injects, which are those things you insert into the exercise that move the story along. You start with a baseline narrative, and then what tells the player, the exercise player, what's going on are these injects that are inserted into the exercise which could be things like after directory goes down or network failed or key applications not available. And then they have to react to that kind of create an inject. So it's super uh, precise and exact for that particular business. And that's what creates that really valuable experience. So, well, it's interesting. You, you said, does that work for small, medium and large companies? Because I know some, Companies that if you had six, eight people, you'd have over half their IT department. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. So in some cases, that you're absolutely right, Alex, that in a really smaller company, they may have 20 people and I wanted five of them or 10 of them, right? So the mm -hmm. thing I would say to you is if you have a small organization and you can't have people design it and, and, and not play, the thing I would say to you is that if you remember uh, back in the old days when the, there was um, uh, Men in Black where they would hold up that device and it would uh, erase their memory, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's essentially what you, would wanna, <laughs> that's what you would want to do with our technology professionals if they had to play. And in reality, I'll be honest with you, in a, in a really well-designed cyber exercise, I'm not really exercising as much of the technology department as I am the crisis management team and the business units. So mm. if the technology have to engage to help me have the best exercise and they have to play, I don't prefer it, but I can certainly do it and have done it. I guess that kind of links back to what you said keeps uh, executives up at night regarding cyber threats, and that's brand and reputation. So if you're yes. to get that, you would have to focus, I, I guess, on the crisis management side of, of the cyber threat, right? Right, right. So when we design exercises, and that's a great question, Alex, when we design exercises, we design them uh, and, uh, basically with three different groups in mind. And sometimes the exercise is only for a particular group. So I've done many exercises that only involve the executives. So if you imagine a very large corporation and they've got seven people in the C-suite, they're the only players in that exercise. That exercise is completely different than the one I would design for the next group down, which would be the tactical crisis management team who are actually working to solve the issues in real time. They're the boots on the ground managing the impacts to the business and so on. And then the third kind of exercise you could design is one for the business units where they're actually pulling out their business continuity plan to see if there's any guidance for them mm -hmm. once this cyber event has occurred. And those are three totally different designs, and I could talk at length about any one of them. But I want to talk about one thing, and be sure you don't let me talk over again. So <laughs> one thing that's important <laughs> that you just mentioned I won't. Is, the, is, the, okay, is the risk in the brand issue. Every executive mm -hmm. I've talked to said, I, I, this, this leaves me sleepless at night. So what does that mean? For you as the designer of your exercise, that means that in this exercise, it has to become public knowledge. So I'm not talking about really putting this out on Twitter, but in my cyber executive world of my exercise, we're going to have this event become public. Because if you have a cyber event that impacts your company, the vast majority of them are never disclosed to the public unless it violates some law. Many cyber events, if you have a, you know, a complete takedown of your systems, unless it becomes public, you're never going to have to talk about reputation and brand. You're never going to have to issue crisis communications. You're never going to have to respond to Twitter. And in a real event, that's what's going to happen. So we always make sure that in our exercise, when they're worried about reputation and brand, there's a huge component of it where it gets out on Twitter. It starts becoming trending on Twitter or Facebook or it's picked up by the local news agencies, or maybe you're a big enough company that Bloomberg wants to talk about you. Mm -hmm. So then they have to then develop the response. Would it be uh, beneficial to have um, all three of those groups, you know, the BU, IT, and execs participate in the same exercise, or is it better to have That's three right. individual first 
and then graduate to a combined, which uh, that's a really great exercise. question. That's a great question. And I will tell you that my preference is this. My preference <clears throat> is actually you would sort of start in this order. And I would I would keep them separate until we had some legs underneath us, meaning that that you that we we had some awareness about what your condition of your program was, et cetera. So the way I would encourage uh, your uh, listeners to do this is I would start with the crisis management team. That's the tactical team, not the executive. If you're a smaller firm, I understand it includes everybody, but I'm looking at a larger company where they would be these three segments uh, that would be individual. The crisis management team is going to deal with the tactical-related issues and kind of managing the overall event. It's really important that they get their experience and their legs underneath them to kind of understand what it even means when this happens. Mm -hmm. Then I would be inclined to take it to the business units. And the best way to do a business unit exercise is not individual business units one at a time. The way that you can get far more out of this, if you imagine you have a, a large conference room, and let's say you've got 10 critical business units, I would have a table for each one of those critical business units. We would launch the narrative. We would give injects to all the individual business units. But why it's so great that they're all together is that they can then start to talk to each other and talk about, well, what are you going to be doing and how is this going to – because there's upstream and downstream effects of all of this. And if they're all by themselves, you know, that's, they're not going to really be able to work through many things because of the downstream-upstream issue. Right. And then I would go to – Right, um, and their executive exercise is designed in a much different way. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. I, yeah. and for for each one, is it a what? I've heard both put good and negative here. Is it good to throw in some surprises, things that maybe didn't come up in those ninety minute phone calls, to kind of uh, oh, what's that uh, sure. spanner in the work sort of thing? Is it is it a good idea to do that? Yeah, I think I think in the beginning, I, I, I will be honest with you, the first cyber exercise you do in any organization, you're going to find so many problems mm-hmm. that maybe even people know about but they've never had to live through that I would be probably not inclined to throw too many red herrings, if you will, or too many sort of yeah. more curveballs because I'll tell you, it's bad enough as it is <laughs> for most <laughs> organizations. Uh, and so I want them to walk out of the room with a big exercise headache, but that exercise headache will be good for you in the long run. So let's say you've held, excuse me, losing my voice here. Um, You're holding these workshops. Should there be, um, if if you're identifying things, should you have, who should be in the room? I I know, let's say a VP of a business unit, maybe, or a director or manager, and maybe a couple of end users. Should there be others in the room to capture these things that's a great like to question. identify? That's a great question. Yeah, so when we do an exercise, what we'll do is we'll, we'll always have a, a group of observers, uh, and mm. they'll be coming either possibly from the business units or they might be coming from us at other departments like audit or program management or something like that, depending on the size of the company. Um, and what we'll do, depending on the exercise design, we'll always have observers in, in discrete teams so they can actually – I can – I can listen to a lot of things, but I'm not going to catch everything. But I want people to, to literally be able to uh, uh, watch watch conversations, listen to conversations, follow them around when they're trying to work something out. So observers are very very helpful in any exercise. But I also think it depends on the group. So for example, when I do a crisis management exercise for executives of my hundred I do a year, I probably do twenty ones just for the C-suite of large companies, and in those exercises. The way we design them is they're often short because they don't have, of course, they're not going to give me a ton of time, but I'll get usually two hours, two and a half hours maybe. Uh, Their exercises are highly structured, and the information that's coming to them is the information that they would receive at their level. So it's not deep and granular, if you will, but it's that big strategic issue. They need to understand the overall impact of the business, but who Mm -hmm. actually helps me in the delivery of that exercise. I'm not the person, even though I'm the designer and the facilitator, I'm not the one that's going to actually tell them all the bad thing that's going on in their company. I want them to feel like this is really happening. It's not going to be delivered to them by slides. Right. It's going to be delivered to them by the person who actually would really talk to them. So if it's the incident commander from the crisis management team or the information security 
a manager or director or whatever that person's title is, and they're going to be standing there saying, okay, the following things that happen, that's who's going to do it. And we will have, have given them a structure and a reporting system so they will be delivering this information to the executives. They'll be answering their questions. And at the same time, they're going to ask them the big ticket strategic issues. I need one of you to be the on-camera person on television. We have an interview in two hours. I need you to approve certain expenditure of large funds to replace servers. You know, whatever, whatever those kinds of issues that might be. So we, we give them a report. Uh, we answer all the questions, and then we ask the questions of what we want them to do for this particular effort. And it's it's pretty tight and well-organized, but it really leaves them with a clear message about what their job is, what the job is of the people below them, and exactly what's going to happen when this becomes public. Well, it's interesting you just said that because I was just thinking to ask you that in one way they're exercising or testing their plans, but at the same time, they're testing and exercising themselves based on some of those uh, unknown triggers that may have to happen. You know, you can test a plan all you want, but you may never actually, you know, think about, oh, I need to approve expenditures. So you're really doing Mm -hmm. more than Mm -hmm. that, right? Right, right. So, so, and that's really good, a really good comment, Alex. So when we designed, for example, an executive plan, Versus the, versus the tactical crisis management team below them. Executives, in my view, I don't care what company I'm working, have worked for, whether they have 10,000 employees or 250,000, I look at an executive's job as basically four things. Strategic policy, determining the strategic policy, approving the large expenditure of funds below the signing level of the tactical team below them, being a senior relationship manager, which means they're reaching out to big customers, regulators, government officials. You know, you need a big person talking to the other big person, right? And then lastly is to be an on-camera spokesperson if indeed the situation is that bad. And so the exercise is designed to basically deliver on those four things. I like that. I I, I, I like exercises that give a more realistic feel and but do you find uh, at any point have you found um, resistance to that? Because I, I from my really own experience, <laughs> I, I I was a part of help facilitate a really large exercise in three countries, 170 plus people, and there were mm-hmm. really strong resistance uh, against you know making it feel real. They really wanted to just stick mm-hmm. to their plan. Do you, do you find that happens mm-hmm. in what you do? Yeah. That's a really great question. So the answer, uh, frankly, is no. And I think part of it is, is our expectation if somebody hi- hires us, that's what we deliver. So I, I, of my 100 exercises a year, I do a year, I do very few of them that are what are called more of an orientation style exercise where you have a deck of slides and you, and you uh, get people to walk through their plans. Those are good. Don't, do not get me wrong. If people have a new plan or it's a new team, that's where you always start is a basic orientation exercise. But what I say to people when I teach exercise design is please, please, please don't do all your exercises with a slide deck. You can do your first kind of orientation exercise with one, and then you can do kind of a basic tabletop. But after that, you have to stop using slides. No one in a crisis is going to be standing in front of that group with a PowerPoint presentation (laughs) telling them every gory thing they need to know, right? You are never helping them get any better. They will never learn their job if you keep feeding them all that stuff. So you have... You have to make it experiential. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, I tried to get this one company to do it and they just refused to. I think they were more, I think they were scared of what they might find. And that was the reason why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, we've come to the end of our second segment. In our next segment, um, Regina, our last one, I'd like to talk about what we do after we've had the exercise now. How do we bring all that information we've discovered together and what we what we need to do? We are talking with Regina Phelps today. We're talking about exercises, uh, cyber threat exercises, and we'll be right back.
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. Today we are talking once again with Regina Phelps, and we're talking about cyber uh, threat exercises and the impacts they have on your organization. Uh, Regina, in the uh, last segment, we talked about you know the exercises themselves. In our last uh, our last segment here, what do we do after the exercises has been held? You know, we we've now just either turned the projectors off, turned the phones off, and everybody's kind of looking around the room. Okay, what next? You know, what do we do next? That's a great question. So first of all, let me say that when you end the exercise, what I pray and hope is that what you do is that you leave them in a big mess. <laughs> and let me just <laughs> briefly describe what that means. <laughs> I know that's, that's terrible, right? Well, the worst thing, frankly, you can do in a cyber-related exercise is to have them go through this incredibly tough experience, and then all of a sudden you magically fix them at the end and put a bow around it, and everybody walks out of the room going, well, hey, it wasn't that bad. Now, mm-hmm. I will tell you, in all my years of design, I used to always want people to walk out of the room with kind of that positive feeling. This is the only topic in exercise design where I want people to walk out of the room with a hangover about the exercise. I want them to lead in a big mess. And I know that sounds completely crazy, Alex, and let me just explain because it ties to where you go next, is that when you actually have had this experience, and and I will tell you, my clients who have had catastrophic uh, cyber attacks, it doesn't go away in a day or two days or a week or two weeks. In some cases, it's months. So the last thing you want them to do is think, well, you know, it's going to go on for a few hours or maybe a day, and then it's going to be okay. No, it's not. So I want them to leave right in the middle of where, oh, my gosh, we're still not up. We don't know what to do, blah, 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 blah. So that's the first thing I would say to anybody. That will then, that sets you to where you have to go next. So there's two things that you need to really think about even before you actually do the exercise. And first of all is how you're going to be preparing your uh, written after-action report. Every one of your uh, listeners knows, of course, they have to write a written after-action report after every exercise. But I will tell you this one, again, because of the serious nature of this incident, can be fraught with peril. So you really want to make sure that all of the recommendations that you develop are highly factual. They're tied to the exercise learnings. Ideally, they could be tied to standards like ISO 22301 or some of the cyber-related or technology um, ISO standards. Uh, When I write an after-action report, I never use the word recommendations because the R word, as I call it, can be very problematic in banking and other federally regulated organizations or even your audit department will expect Mm -hmm. that you're going to do everything that was recommended. So we use the word observations. So that just sort of helps somebody as far as being able to manage that. So we write a very concise uh, after-action report that has all of these observations uh, of the exercise. But then we want to make sure that our client has the opportunity to shop that around. That should be going to their executive sponsor. Ideally, it would be going to the C-suite of a company. Ideally, then it would be going to the board risk committee so they can actually see what actually was learned in that event. And I hopefully, 
you have a uh, business continuity steering committee comprised of senior individuals who would be looking at that after action report and what are you doing to follow up on all those observations slash recommendations. Because the last thing you want to have happen is to do a fabulous exercise, but then nothing happens. And I'm sure you've seen that in clients of yours. Yes. I guess. Yeah. And so what you need. Sorry. Uh, I I guess that report would help (laughs) executives also know, hey, we need to refunnel some of our uh, resources to fix some of these gaps and put some timeframes around them, right? I guess it helps with that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they can see in black and white exactly what the issues were, and they can see where the criticality is, how it impacted the business, and then that can help them either reallocating resources or moving um, resources around to make sure that it's actually going to address what was learned. So the after-action report is really important. We always prepare a written after-action. We always will prepare a short slide deck uh, to our clients, or sometimes they'll ask us to come in and actually present what our findings were to key individuals. But you want to make sure that you've had a great experience. They left that exercise with a huge exercise hangover, which was the design. They're going to be laying in bed that night for the next week, I'll tell you, thinking about that exercise. And you want to make sure that you have thought about how am I going to take this great experience and turn it into meaningful change in my organization. And you want your executive sponsor, the key leadership, and other individuals of the company to really get their hands on this and do something with it. You don't want it to languish. I'm sure you've gone back. We, I've gone back to clients uh, for other topics that we've done exercises are, and they've hardly done anything to improve. It's like, oh, my God, really? But I will <laughs> tell you, in a cyber exercise that's well-designed and you have a good after-action report, you can have massive change, and that is mm-hmm. so powerful. Well, that actually leads me to a question that, you know, after all that time, nothing has been done and you want people to leave with a hangover. You want them to see this report. Uh, Now, I kind of know the answer to this because I've heard you speak. How long should I have that take to get that report to them? My uh, our guarantee for our clients is they get it within 14 days. Uh, And most of our clients get in between. And I'll tell you why. I need to get people out of my brain so I can get another company in there. That's my own personal <laughs> issue. But if you but if you don't get it to them right away, that hangover is going to go away that you gave them, and they're not going to be inspired. So I want to give it to them as rapidly as possible. So all of your uh, listeners should be knowing they need to get it out 7 to 14 days. If they wait a month, it's too late. They're all, the, all those people that went through that exercise are on to the next thing and the next problem, and you've lost your opportunity. You have to strike while the ironer's hot for people to resolve these issues and to get a high priority on funding and allocation of what you need to make the changes that are required. And they could forget some of the details behind it, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and, and one of the things that we do in all of our exercises is that we, I have a great AV uh, consultant that works in our firm that does these incredibly powerful videos. So they're very, I mean, you, when you see your company being blasted on uh, what looks like Bloomberg News, you have a hangover for a while. <laughs> so you want to make yeah. sure you've done things that really are gut, gut feeling for the people that experience them. And that also is super helpful. Well, believe it or not, we've got just less than four minutes already. So, <laughs> would you, uh, so I'm going to give you the last two minutes. You know, uh, closing thoughts about um, cyber threats and and the exercises. You know, and the impacts uh, related to them. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me just say that I think it's so critically important that all of your listeners really do a well constructed cyber exercise. Every executive, every board is clamoring for this. And frankly, it's their worst nightmare. And if you certainly look at the international events that have been going on uh, in the last uh, week or so with the United States and Iran, there's a lot of comments online, uh, and certainly the Department of Public um, uh, Homeland Security have been talking about the likelihood of increased cyber attacks um, that this is going to be causing. And what I would say to you is that this is really a crisis like no other. I've been in practice for 37 years, and I can say this without being dramatic. I think this is the crisis of our lifetime. I think the cyber events and how it impacts the company is the crisis of our lifetime. And 
We need to find ways that we can make this real for the people that are in our organization so they can really understand how critical it is that we have plans and processes in place and that we've done as much as we possibly can do to be as prepared as we can be for when it does happen. And notice I did say when it does happen, not maybe it's going to happen to everybody. The only question is how bad is it going to be? That's true because you're we you mentioned the news you know we're we're and you may give a whole list I think uh, at some point in the uh, second segment of companies experiencing issues it it is going to happen because it's happening um, all the time and just up here where I live uh, one of the hospitals not far away had their uh, data yeah uh, you know captured so to speak you know mm-hmm. and they had to get mm-hmm. it back you know. It, it's not all the military institutions or government institutions that are being impacted, but simple things like a hospital, which has an incredible amount of data, is now a target. Well, just think of you if you're having surgery and you can't uh, get a lab test or you can't get pharmaceuticals and you've got somebody on the table and all of a sudden your network goes down and you can't get it up. <laughs> That's, That's right. a pretty big deal. Yeah. Well, we've come to the end of our show. Regina, thanks again for sharing all your expertise. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome, Alex. It's been great fun. And of course, uh, you know, if you have something else you want to talk about, you can always come back uh, again, because I know I'm going to run into you again uh, at at another conference soon, I'm sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It was great fun. Thanks for the invitation, Alex. Uh, My pleasure. So thanks again, Regina, and everybody out there. If there's a topic you want us to talk about, please feel free. Send me a note. Uh, Any adverts or sponsorships for the show, you want to advertise something, uh, again, get a hold of me. Let me know, and I'll get you some information. I'll be in San Antonio at the Continuity Insights Conference, April 20th to 22nd. I'm speaking there. And I want to thank everyone at Stone Road and uh, BoastAssessment.com with their product for sponsoring the show today. And in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.